Today, my very special guest is a fellow author named Lauren Eason. Lauren, please introduce yourself and say hello. Hi, everyone. My name is Lauren Eason, and I am a writer of dark fantasy and paranormal romance stories. My debut novel was a historical fantasy known as Witch Trial Secrets of Moon, and I'm currently in the process of writing the sequel to. My latest release was a psychological thriller known as Every Waking Dream. That is also, those are all available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple Books, and other platforms. That is wonderful, but um, you're also a reviewer and a blogger. I am. My website, if you guys want to check it out, is laureason.com. And that is where I run a blog, where I review I have an indie book club where I review other people's stories, as well as update people with publishing advice, writing tips, and other things. I also have a podcast called The Author Podcast Show that you can find on multiple platforms as well, like Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and more. And that is also, if you don't want to read the blog posts, you can go and listen to them instead on your drive home. <laughs> That is a wonderful introduction, Lauren. See, I mean, one of the things that I talk about is how people are multidimensional, and that is what you are doing, and that's a great description of what you're doing. That is wonderful. And I actually thank you very much for reviewing my book, Bringing Our Greatness Out. That was wonderful. It was a great story. I listened to it on my way to work, and honestly, when I was listening to it, I was inspired and more motivated to do my job correctly. <laughs> That's so, wonderful. Uh, that's really good for me. That is wonderful. <laughs> but, so what topics do we want to talk about today? Well, I know that it's National Novel Writing Month, currently right now for the month of November. If you guys don't know, it's lovingly known as NaNoWriMo, which is actually helping me stay motivated to finish the sequel to my debut novel that honestly has been about five years in the making. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. So you've been writing. Okay. So that's how you're getting the inspiration. Everybody inspiring everybody. Yeah. And basically it's you, the challenge and it's a global challenge. Everybody can participate either in groups or in competitions or just on their own, like I'm doing. Basically the challenge is to write 50,000 words in the 30 days of November. Wow. So, so I would fail that challenge for sure. <laughs> I'm currently sitting around 20,000 words. Oh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm doing pretty good so far. But if you follow my Twitter page, I update it every day with my word count, the total that we're at. And then I usually give a writing tip for people who are interested in how to stay motivated during NaNoWriMo. My handle on Twitter is laurenethan478 if you want to you know, follow along my journey of writing. <laughs> That is wonderful. Yes, I'm definitely connected and I do follow your posts. And uh, that is a great way to stay connected with the writing community. So yes, anybody who is an author would do very well to stay connected with that community. I've certainly enjoyed and made many connections such as yourself. I, I wouldn't have known about you if I didn't join the community. Well, I, you know, it's so funny because I was not a big social media person. Like I had Facebook, everybody has Facebook, but then I, I had never done anything on Instagram or Twitter until this year, actually, because all of my writing friends were like, Hey, you know, if you want to have your books noticed more then you should get involved in social media and working on there. And I did. And honestly, I was like really surprised at how quickly I could grow readership and market my book on there. I've made so many different contacts with 
different authors who are well-known and not so well-known. And that was a place to find some really good information if you are looking into the self-publishing aspect of books. Yeah, so this is the other thing that I talk about cross-brand promotion. And if you get connected with good people who will cross-brand promote you, then you can get a lot of mileage out of that. I feel like every platform has its place and we need to decide upfront what is it that we're trying to get out of a particular platform, experiment, and then figure out, is it working or not working? I know I have calibrated my use of Twitter quite a bit because what I've seen is that a lot of Twitter is almost like the wild, wild west. It's like people are angry sometimes, impolite. I mean, a whole lot more than LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I've found, is a very, very business professional kind of a place. I don't know if you maintain a presence on LinkedIn or not, but I was kind of thrown off a little bit when I went to Twitter. I, I haven't actually done much with LinkedIn. Like I understand the platform, but I don't have a personal profile on there, which is something that I have looked into. But I have found out that for writers, Twitter is really the best place to connect. I've tried experimenting with Instagram and some other places, but as for the writing community, Twitter probably has the biggest and best following for, for that, especially since they host even events on Twitter. I don't know if you've heard about Pit Mad. I have but seen I, those. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I did write a blog post about it because I was like, what is this? And I'm the kind of person who I will try something out, especially it has to do with marketing or promotion. And then I'll blog about it later and tell you my results. No, and, I mean, you're um, doing brilliant. Out. I love what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. But PinNav is so interesting because all you have to do is, uh, well, you pitch your story. And then people heart it. And if they heart it, especially if it's a publisher or an agent, that's basically an invite saying like, hey, I like what you're pitching. Mm -hmm. Come and query me, which is Mm -hmm. um, it's really fun. And it's just a rush and people are doing it all day long and they're retweeting and retweeting other people's stuff. It's just a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Okay, what else? What else do you want to talk about? I will say that I've learned a lot over my self-publishing years, <laughs> and I would say that when I first published Witch Trials, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't have as many connections back then, and I kind of had a friend who was like, hey, uh, you can publish a book on CreateSpace, which if people don't know if that was, that was KDP before yep, KDP. that's <laughs> where I started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember trying to learn how to how to do it and teach myself. And then it kind of just fell by the wayside because one of the things that people say is when you publish a book, it's not over yet. Like it might be published, but you've got to go ahead and keep doing the promotion and marketing of it. And that's why I kind of let it go. Because in my life at that point, I was more interested in other things. Writing was more of a hobby, not so much a serious career path. But then, well, when quarantine hit and I had all this time to myself, like most other people did, Mm -hmm. I started writing and I got involved with a bunch of publishing, well, not publishing, but like, well, I guess you can call them publishing platforms, writing platforms, mostly like Wattpad and Inkit. And uh, that actually really kind of set me off again. And then I was like, you know what, this is something that I actually want to pursue a little more into. And now it's been almost two years and here we are with now four other books, and I think I have six scheduled for next year to, <laughs> to be published. So that was pretty cool. 
Yes. So you are 100% correct about the publishing part, because I feel like too many people pay too much stock into what I call traditional publishing. And they think that, okay, if you publish with a traditional publisher, life is made. And sometimes it is, but in most cases, you still have to do that promotion of your work through a whole variety of means, which you've heard me say in my book. When I started with CreateSpace, for example, it was primarily to promote the book Cybersecurity Leadership, because at that time in my field, there was nobody doing anything about leadership. It was all about technology. And the way I was promoting is, as you read, is through public speaking, networking, appearing at book festivals and things like that, just basically networking. I didn't realize at that time that what I was doing was personal brand creation and promotion. I didn't have that term in my head because I, that was 2014. It was 2017 when I finally realized, oh, that's what I was doing. It's a personal branding because I suddenly realized that at times my brand had value to an organization or an effort or a conference. So if I was a speaker at a conference, attendance at the conference would go up and things like that. And that's when I realized, ah, so the same kind of phenomenon that is happening as a result of, say, sports personalities or other kinds of personalities, that is happening. And so that's what I was doing at that time. And that's how I was selling. And later on, when I started working on my subsequent books, because unlike you, you are a, you are a true author and a writer, okay? I was only just trying to solve a problem within my discipline. And later on, when I wrote this Bring Inner Greatness Out, it was also to solve a different problem. What I was noticing was that my students, I, we knew about our value. We knew that, okay, our brand has value. But I also was finding out that that's it. That circle of people that understand that is very small. And I believe that too many people were cutting themselves short. Like they were saying, oh, I'm just replaceable. And I have always believed that no human being is replaceable because as you saw in my book, I was talking about that every job has two parts. One, what they expect you to do. And the other, that only I can bring to the job. And if you put somebody else in that job, that part that I was putting will be gone forever. It's not replaceable. Now, somebody else may produce more value. That's fine. But to think that somebody is replaceable is not true. Yeah. And with publishing and stuff, I will say that KDP and I mean, Ingram Spark, all these other platforms that are getting onto the self-publishing train, they're onto something because I, even with my experience with some traditional publishers and I probably, th there's one book that I have coming out in fall of next year. And uh, I put, I decided to self-publish it. And the reason I did, and I was, I was pretty serious about trying to see if I could do a traditional publisher. Mm -hmm. And I did get some, some hits off of that. But every time I did, they wanted me to change my story. I even had one person say, can you make this story instead of in first person point of view and third person point of view? And I was like, do you want me to rewrite a whole book? A hundred thousand word manuscript is a lot to rewrite just to please a traditional publisher. And I was like, absolutely not. I said, I've already written the, sec the sequel to this book in the same point of view. So this is obviously not going to happen. Your creative license is pretty much gone 
from not only that but i would imagine that your share of the royalties wasn't going to be much either oh no unless you're selling millions and millions of books to the us i'm saying like across the globe your royalties are minimum you do 100% of the work pretty much they do i mean i'll even give them a 10% of the work if they want to go and do the copy editing and all that stuff and then they get 75% of the royalties or more that doesn't make sense to me right so that was the main reason why even in 2013 when i started my own journey in independent publishing is when i realized not only do i not earn much but i also give up my rights so the very first traditional publisher that ever sent me a contract basically was going to own so much rights to my work that even if i wanted to produce an audiobook for example or do anything maybe i would even be worried about citing myself in some subsequent material and as you know i was writing a book on cybersecurity and in such a new discipline i didn't want to be in a situation where my own work could be locked into some traditional publisher's database and i can't do anything with it and that has happened to many people i know authors in various business disciplines that have published 8 or 9 books and they hardly make any money but they didn't know any other way so once i showed them they were like oh my god So now many of them have taken the same route and yes you are 100% correct also how come Ingram Spark is now a big competitor for Amazon it certainly is and as a matter of fact there was certain things that I was doing exclusively with Amazon I'm no longer doing that because it doesn't make any sense I do want the competition Exactly. I actually did that with my latest release instead of just making it exclusive to KDP under the Kindle Unlimited. I actually went to a distributor and they distribute my book to all these other platforms including libraries and things like that. And it was absolutely free to me. The only thing is is they might take 20 cents off of a per book. It just doesn't make sense to limit yourself to one platform. Right. And also Did you do the Library of Congress numbering? So I actually went and did that with some of the books that I hope would be procured by libraries. I went ahead and did all that also. That process is free and they also want a copy of the book. Now it should be in the US Library of Congress holdings also. It is clear that independent publishing is a huge force. In the past, these bookstores wouldn't carry independently published books but now they do they do because there is a market for it back in the day they didn't think that a, a an indie book would make it into a bookstore because it's not carried by the big 5 or 4 is it now <laughs> we still oh, see, that's the other there. thing this consolidation about to happen and the department of justice yeah. has just sued the two big companies that are trying to consolidate and again it's going to be bad for the authors if that happens yeah because then who who really holds the rights to these books Not only that, but now the royalties for the authors are going to be under crunch and the genre of books or what is written is going to be compressed also, so this whole concept of author's ability to express their voice, their story or tell the story they want to, I mean everything is going to become formulaic, I guess. just like textbooks for example so that's the other thing when i was writing my cybersecurity leadership book some of these traditional publishers they wanted me to write in a textbook style and i said no, no way <laughs> i 
some some of these traditional publishers are just as bad as vanity publishers, uh, in my opinion. I have an author friend who had just got her book out from the clutches of a vanity publisher after she spent thousands of dollars getting it published through them, and she never saw a cent of the royalty from that vanity publisher that she went to. It's really sad that they prey on people's dreams to get ahead in life. So I try to tell anybody who's going to self-publish, do not trust anybody who is emailing you. I remember when I first started writing on Inkit, we would get a lot of spam emails from people that would send us things asking like, hey, can we publish your novel on this app where you have to pay money to read chapters? That's going on all over the place. There's, It's like every other day one of them pops up and I'm like, please do not sign anything with anyone, people. <laughs> Don't sign anything. Real publishers, even if you are trying to go the traditional route still, there's nothing wrong with that, or going in the indie route, they will not be contacting you personally for your emails or any of that. That's exactly what I have been doing also. Ever since I did my own thing, I could actually turn into a vanity publisher for authors like that and try to exploit people. But that's not me. What I typically do is if people really even though the technology is there, but they still need help. I do charge consulting to teach them how to do everything yourself because I don't want to publish for anybody. But <laughs> they, yeah, I mean, why should I? I mean, then, then I'm becoming the same exploiter that all these people are. And my goal is never that. My goal has always been to empower people and help them use the power of technology to literally liberate themselves and pay themselves more. And these people have really upped their game because my author friend was even supposed to be scheduled to do an interview with an Emmy-nominated television personality. Mm -hmm. But to do the interview, she had to pay for it. <laughs> like hundreds of do not give them any more of your money. I was like, you should never have to pay for If someone's coming to you to interview you, you should not have to pay them anything for that interview. That is not how that works. That is correct. So, yeah, and they, they use these hosts. I don't know if the hosts are in on it. I'm assuming they are because how could they not be in on it? But it's basically a get-rich-quick scheme for these for everyone but the person who actually put in the work in the beginning. So. And I feel the same way for paid reviews. Even some reputable reviewers are in this situation where they're charging unbelievable sums of money, four or $500 to get reviews. If you paid for the review or contests, that's another thing that I feel very, very strongly about. If a contest is charging money, that means they're already excluding all the people that won't pay money. Because if your product is good, you shouldn't have to pay money to enter a contest. Absolutely. And I've seen that too. Ever since I started my website and put my email on there, <laughs> I've had so many people send me emails saying, I can market your book on Twitter and Instagram with my 5 million followers and 2.5 million email list, but I can do it for the low price of $250 for attendance. I'm like, look, honey, I can tweet out my own Twitter stuff and get people to retweet it for me. That's not a big deal to me. <laughs> and it's certainly not going to be for $250. And people fall for that all the time. And paying for reviews, KDP will actually crack down on you. If they find out that you paid for a review, they can actually take your account down and ban you 
from ever publishing with them again. So I really strongly discourage that from anybody who's thinking about buying a review. I've had uh, Instagram is notorious for DMing me about paying for reviews. And I actually had to tell one of the ladies because I was just fed up that day. I said, look, I don't want to get my account banned. Thank you, but no thank you. And have a nice day and block them immediately because I was just so tired of it. (laughs) I know. This is so crazy. So this is why when I find true reviewers like you, I feel like it's like a breath of fresh air. And so that's why as soon as you reviewed my book, I said, okay, let me do some cross-brand promotion of her and invite her to my show. I mean, that's what I do, right? I promote people who are promoting me. Yeah, and I think that's the best way to do it, to offer that because you're not breaking any rules. You're not doing anything out of the norm. You're not asking for money or anything like that. And I honestly wanted to review your book because I was starting my indie book club anyways. So it helped me out too. So it was uh, timing. Timing was wonderful. Yes, it was absolutely fantastic. And I still post reviews at least once a week for any indie author. And I read all genres. So I'm not the kind of reviewer that only sticks to fantasy novels or paranormal romance. I think the last books I reviewed was a poetry book and a historical fiction book. So anything really goes with me. I read Anytime you want an audiobook for review, I have as you probably know, I do audiobooks for other authors too. And so I have several of those and I can give complimentary copies of those and you can listen to that. I have plenty of those. So if you ever want any, just let me know. Perfect. I'm actually listening to the one that you sent me the last time. I've been listening to it too from work. I can't remember the name. I want to say Oh, Ellie J's? Is it Family yes. Secrets by Ellie yes. J? Yes, family. Oh, good. Yes, I've been listening to it to and from work because I have my Kindle for the other books that I'm reading. So that was perfect when I go there. Ellie J is another good contact that I made. Actually, she's an indie author based in the United Kingdom. I read that book, Family Secrets, and I found it to be so gripping that I just couldn't put it down. I finished it the same night. And normally that never happens to me. So later on, She also listened to my book, Bring Inner Greatness Out, and she got a lot of ideas and everything like that. And then she got the idea of producing an audiobook, and she wondered if I would do her audiobook for her because she didn't want to narrate and all that. I said, of course, I believe in your work if you want me to narrate. And then I noticed that the third person omniscient in that book could be a male. It would be fine. (laughs) Yeah. That works out perfectly. I try to write in different genres too. I read different things. I write in different genres. I say that I'm a dark fantasy and paranormal romance author because that's normally what I'm drawn to. And that's what most of my books have. But like psychological thriller, this has been the first time I've ever written one. And I guess it was okay (laughs) from the reviews that I've gotten so far. And uh, I hope to set people out sometime, maybe near the end of next year or the beginning of 2023, because that's one thing I tell authors now, especially after learning a little bit from other authors, is that whenever you start a series, a book series, that you need to probably try and get a book out every year. Otherwise, you're going to lose the readers that you had on your first book. Because they've waited too long and they're trying to figure out what's going on. But if you are taking too long to get your, your sequels out and your books, then you've basically lost what you had gained at that time. So I tell people yeah. to watch out for that, too. That makes sense. That makes sense. So Ellie is actually now working on her third book in that series. 
if you're reading Family Secrets, you'll be listening to, if you want to listen to the next ones, The Secrets of the Volkovs. That's actually book one, but you can listen to it as a prequel. I actually enjoyed it that way because this Family Secrets to me was gripping. And then the other one takes you back to before Nadezhda, because Nadezhda is the main character in the book that you're listening to, 16-year-old Nadezhda. Well, she isn't even born, so it's the story of her dad. That one is pretty cool. I enjoyed it as a prequel. Yes, I enjoyed it as a prequel. It's so funny because I've been doing, uh, that's kind of the route that I'm taking with Witch Trials. I started off with the two girls and their predicament of being framed for murder and then being accused as witches. And then the sequel is after they've escaped living prison. But the third and final book is actually going to be a prequel to all of that. I love that kind of a concept. Yes. So that's actually because the route that I'm going with this trials. I love it. I love it. So yes. And then the other thing is that to maintain consistency and knowledge of the series, but also make sure that each book can stand on its own. So the book three, I know that LEJ right now, she's posting her updates. She's basically rewriting the whole thing in light of the other two books, even though she had written book three earlier. But now she's trying to get her special sauce. Her special sauce is sarcasm. I don't know if you're getting a sense of that as you're listening to that story. The sarcasm. I love that sarcasm because every author has to have this unique voice. And I feel like that that sarcasm is her unique voice. (laughs) (laughs) I, I love sarcastic, satirical kind of things. In fact, there's a standalone book that I want to write that's humorous young adult fiction book. Oh my God, that would be wonderful. Yeah, it's a little different. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. There are people out there who claim that when they have passed, like died and then come back, you know, had like a near, like a life and death experience, Uh they visited both heaven and hell at the same time. (laughs) Wow, that would be a cool story. It's a YA humorous novel because it's going to have all of the tropes that people love with the mean girl in high school and a tragic cheerleading accident. Oh, <laughs> God, this go is great. And hell. I'm really excited to start writing it, but I have to get this other book done first. I just have so many ideas and I'm like, oh, gosh, I have to pay attention. I focus over here first before I start a new project because. I'm one of those people, like, if I start to start a new project right now, I will not finish it. <laughs> but the book is outlined, and it's just going to be a standalone book. It's not going to be in a series, but it's definitely going to be full of a lot of those teenage tropes that people love. <laughs> well, great. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation, Lauren. It was so wonderful to get to know you a little bit and do this conversation with you. Thank you very much for coming. And thank you for having me. I had a blast talking with you this evening.